Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it will encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with us further, our website is revivalnow.com, and you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep. We have the Revival Now app that you can download at your Play Store, and if you use Roku, you can find us on Creo TV. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. Hi, I'm Dan Steep, and welcome to Spiritual Talk. This episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA-used technology in your home, business, or car that reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, email infoforvalara at gmail.com. Uh, it's an honor to share with you in this episode. We're going to be talking about how sin works, how sin operates. Uh, in a recent episode, I, I shared uh, a topic entitled, What is Sin? And I want to follow that up with how sin operates in a person's life. And we're going to look in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. I'll read about the first 12 verses to, to get us started, reading from the New Living Translation. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack it. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our men, or all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately three thousand warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all, their, all the other people living in the land hear about it, they'll surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they've lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That's why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. 
I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you which were set apart for destruction. We're talking about how sin works. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, I just want to read this scripture to kind of jumpstart us. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So we have in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, uh, a process of, of how sin moves uh, and operates in our lives. Temptation comes from our own desires. They entice us and drag us away. The desires give birth to sinful actions. And then when sin is allowed to grow, it ultimately brings forth death. Now in this passage in Joshua chapter 7, Israel was soundly defeated by a small army. Surrounding enemies, uh, they knew that Israel was protected by God, and, and this defeat signals, uh, it signaled Israel's vulnerability. They, they knew, and everyone around them, the, the neighboring nations around them, all knew that God was protecting them and that He was their source. And so with this single defeat to Ai, a very small uh, enemy, a very small army, uh, that was a major thing. Like, it rocked the nation of Israel because they were now scared. They were frightened. They thought that God was with them and, and was going to carry them to victory no matter where they went or what they did. And it seems as though the nations around them understood that as well. And then suddenly, seemingly out of the blue, but that's how sin operates. Nothing ever just happens uh, a spur of the moment out of the blue. When, when, when you lose the favor of God, it didn't happen in that moment. You trace your steps back to when sin entered in. You trace your steps back to, as James tells us in chapter 1, verses 14 and 16, or through 16, when you're, where did my own evil desires tempt me and drag me away? And, and what, what sin did I, uh, you know, participate in or take up. Because that's the process. You don't just wake up one day and you're, you're deep and lost in sin. It's always a process that works its way in and through your life. And you can trace your steps back to, to find out what happened. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. You see, I, I think Joshua was, dis, was distracted, probably distracted with all of the responsibilities of leadership and leading a nation. Uh, I can't even imagine. Sometimes I think about what it would be like to be the president of the United States, and how would I get my, my God time in each day? How would I protect and make sure that I had that time to, to nourish and grow my relationship with Him when it seems like... 24-7, you're being called upon and pulled upon and needed, and everything is always urgent and vitally important and maybe a matter of national security and all those kinds of things. So this is, this is Joshua. He's distracted. And so he did what you know any, any normal overwhelmed leader would do. He took the advice 
of military leaders. But he, he did so without praying. He did so without seeking God on this matter. In Psalm 1, chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, not every leader that you take counsel from is ungodly. But when you're not seeking the Lord and you're taking the counsel of others and relying upon that, that is when you move from the, uh, walking in the counsel of God to walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And when we neglect God and we neglect prayer, you end up doing what Joshua did in this story. You end up throwing up emergency prayers when you're failing to neglect your relationship with God on a regular basis. So verse 13, they've been throwing up these emergency prayers, and God answers in verse 13, and he says, Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. So let's back up in verse 13. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. The first step in recovering from a life of defeat and recovering that life of victory is to purify or seek the Lord concerning your misstep. And that's what they were doing. We, uh, you have to humble yourself and ask the question, is there sin in my life? And this is what God says. Yes, there's sin. There's sin in your camp. And he says, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. You'll never defeat your enemies. Unrepentant sin will always produce bad fruit and defeat. And you'll never defeat the enemies around you until you defeat the enemy of sin within you. But there's, and when you'll humble yourself and do that, this is what God says. He spoke to the prophet Hosea in verse, Hosea 14, verse 4. He said, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. So there is a solution if you'll humble yourself. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So as we pick up in Joshua chapter 7 in verse 14, the scripture says, in the morning you must present yourselves by tribes and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. That tribe must come forward with its clans and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will then come forward, and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must come forward one by one. The one who has stolen what is set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire, along with everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. So, verse 16, early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. I imagine if I'm Achan, the one who, who stole uh, the forbidden things, 
the things that brought about destruction. I think Achan must have felt secure. I mean, that's quite a process to go through. He, he must have felt secure. I mean, in order to be singled out, the process goes through your tribe, your clan, your family, and then to each family member in order for Achan to be singled out. But Achan forgot about the fact that this is a supernatural God that was supernaturally provide, supernaturally delivered them from, from um, Egypt, supernaturally guided them through the promised land, was supernaturally providing for their every need, their food, their water, and he supernaturally was bringing victory over all of their enemies. And Achan forgot that they serve a supernatural God. And you're never secure when there's sin in your life. So Achan then, was he was, he was singled out and he was forced at that point to confess. And Achan replied in verse 20, It's true, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. So, here's the thing about Achan's confession. It was a forced confession. It wasn't authentic. It lacked godly sorrow. He was sorry for being caught, not sorry for what he did. And he had to be singled out by the Holy Spirit in order to come forward with his confession. So don't mistake Achan's confession as a repentant confession. There's, see, there's a world of difference in how God deals with us when we confess and we repent without being singled out. Achan failed to do that. He was singled out and he was dealt with very severely. But we're told in 1 John 1, 9, if we'll confess our sin, that he'll be faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's a world of difference in how God deals with us when we confess and we repent without waiting and forcing God to single us out before people. Now, in verse 21 of Joshua chapter 7, we see the formula for defeat from sin. And this is how sin works. It's how sin operates. Verse 21. I'll, I'll, let's read the verse and then we'll, we'll go through it point by point. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So here's the formula for defeat from sin. This is how sin operates. First thing is, I saw. That's what Achan said initially. He said, among the plunder, I saw. So the first step is I saw. Now, everybody sees sin. The question is what you do after you see sin. Do you meditate on it? Do you think about it? Do you ponder it? Do you look twice? Do you look a third time? You see, 
I saw. Everybody sees sin. The eye gate is the gate through which the enemy uh, works tirelessly to, to begin the process, to insert the, the process and the beginning point of leading you down a path of sin. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I saw a statistic uh, recently that uh, teenagers spend nine hours per day looking at a screen. In other words, your phone, your iPad, your laptop, television, computer monitor, looking at a screen, nine hours per day. And it is impossible to walk in a right relationship with God when your eyes are beholding junk continuously. I'm not saying that the average teenager is watching junk, not, uh, only watching junk, but you know that uh, the, the, a screen on your phone, computer, television is certainly a way that that's a strategy of the devil to, to put filth and, and sin and wickedness and evil in front of your eyes. So you have to be careful. You have to be beholding the Word of God. You have to be taking in that Word that renews your mind and transforms your life. Be renewed by the transforming, be transformed by the renewing of your mind in God's Word. We need to be washed by His Word daily and continuously and even throughout the day. So step number one, I saw. Step number two, I wanted. He said, I saw, right, all of this plunder. And then he said, I wanted them so much. So a process had taken place. Just like that process that I read to you in James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Step number one, in the formula for defeat, I saw. Step number two, I wanted. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. I saw lust of the eyes. I wanted lust of the flesh. And I, I did what I wanted to do, the pride of life. It's all right there, 1 John 2.16. Now, it's interesting that the 10th commandment is, Thou shalt not covet. It's found in Exodus 20, 17, Deuteronomy 5, 21. It's the 10th commandment, and it's actually the only internal commandment. All the other, command, other commandments deal with external things, but this coveting, it involves the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, a, a, de a good definition of covet is to lust after 
or to long for with great desire, to lust after or long for with great desire that which belongs to another. And you see that process in Achan's life. He saw it and then he coveted it. He wanted it with great desire. The Proverbs writer says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I saw. These are the, the, this is the formula for defeat. I saw, number one, I wanted, number two, and number three, I took. And that is the act the act of sin. He said, I saw them. I wanted them so much that I took them. That's Joshua 7, verse 21. I want them so much that I took them. Everybody sees sin, but it's those who then covet and think on and are consumed by it, that move to the point of taking that which does not belong to them. Romans chapter 13, verses 13 to 14 says, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the drunkenness of wild parties, or don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Through taking in His Word. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Get it? Don't let yourself think about ways that indulge your evil desires. I saw... I wanted, in other words, I coveted, I thought about. And then, step three, I took. It's the act of sin. Now, most people in this process of, of how sin works in a person's life, most people don't discern or see or deal with sin until step number three, until this point in the process. And here's the problem. If you don't see sin for what it is until step three in the process, there's only four steps. That means you're 75% down the path of destruction before you even know what's taking place. You haven't detected something was wrong until the act of sin was committed. So the key to, to living in victory, you have to understand that sin is a systematic progression. You don't just wake up one day and fall into sin. It's a systematic progression. And the key to living in victory is recognizing the enemy at the gate. Don't wait until he's on the property or at the front door or in your house or in your bedroom. Recognize the enemy at the gate. You move from Defeat to victory by understanding the enemy's plan. Understand, we're told in Scripture that we're not to be ignorant of the schemes 
or the wiles of the devil. He's a schemer. He has a plan to defeat you and to ultimately kill you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about living soberly, alert, understanding the times that you're living. He's saying, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Learn to recognize sin in its infancy, not in its maturity. Deal with sin, the infant of sin, not the full-grown warrior. Of sin. Step one, I saw. Step two, I wanted. Step three, I took. Step four, and the final step, I hid. And that's what he did. He said, they're hidden in the ground beneath my tent. It's buried there. It's as old as the garden, hiding rather than repenting. That's what Adam and Eve did when, when, when they took part of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when they rebelled against God and did what they wanted. They didn't repent. They didn't run to God and confess. The Bible says for the first time in recorded human history, they hid from God. They used to walk with him every day in the cool of the evening, but now suddenly, unannounced, not pre they, they just instinctively hid from God. It, it's, it, you can see the same pattern in Achan's life, in King David's life, when he sinned with Bathsheba. When he was confronted by it, about it, he tried to hide, but he was called out. Psalm chapter 10, verse 11. The wicked think God isn't watching us. He's closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. That's what the wicked think, foolishly so. If you hide your sin privately, God will reveal it publicly. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly, but you need to understand 
The enemy is lurking at your gate. He wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. So get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. Understand the progression of sin. Don't wait until you're 75% down the road in sin before you realize what's going on in your life. James chapter 2, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the devil, the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. It's not enough to just believe. The devils, the demons believe and tremble. I, I, I hear people, I talk to people all the time, and one of the things I'll hear them say is, is, is their sort of justification or whatever, their way of pushing me away when they know that I'm a minister or an evangelist. They say, oh, I believe. I believe in God. Whoop-de-doo. The Bible says the demons believe. They believe who he is, and they tremble in terror. It's not enough to just believe. You've got to put sin behind you. How do you do that? Number one, recognize that you've sinned. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when you recognize that you sinned, you're, you're just recognizing what is common to humanity. All have sinned and fallen short of God, short of the glory of God. But I, I have to recognize that my sin is killing me and it's killing those around me. And recognize that the only way to peace is through faith in Jesus Christ. When you're willing to recognize your sin, now you're able to do the next step, which is to repent. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent means to, to, to do a U-turn, an about face. It means to change. Change your mind, change your direction, change your lifestyle. When you've recognized you've sinned and you repent of your sin, now you're in a position to receive this free gift of salvation that Jesus offers you. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. To as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Simply commit your heart to him by faith. In just a moment, I'm going to offer a simple prayer of salvation. And if you'll do what the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth, if you'll repeat this prayer out loud after me, you can... This will take you right through the process of, of recognizing your sin, repenting, and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. All it takes is a sincere heart when you pray this prayer. 
You see, God is holy by nature. And mankind, we're sinful. It's a condition that we were born into. And But God, in His mercy and in His love, He took the initiative to remedy our condition. He sent His only Son, Jesus, who died on the cross to bridge the gap between a holy God and an unholy people. And He made the way for you. And you can accept that way right now by praying this prayer with me. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer together with me, welcome to the family of God. You're my newest brother or sister in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you prayed that, prayed that prayer with me, you called on the name of the Lord. So by the authority of God's word, you are saved. You're born again. And you're on your way to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. If you prayed that prayer with me, please go to my website at RevivalNow.com. Go to RevivalNow.com. You'll find on the front page of our website a big red button that says, I just got saved. Click that button, and it'll take you to a place where you can view some video resources that I've prepared for you to help you get started in your Christian life. And you can also fill out your contact information. And if you'll fill out your contact information, including your email address, We'll send some resources to you to help you get started in your Christian life. So go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, and follow the prompts from there. Thank you so much for taking this journey together with me on this episode as we look at how sin operates in our lives. I trust that you've been blessed. I want you to know that this episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to receive, if you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA-used technology in your home, business, or car that reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, email info for Valara at gmail.com. Thanks again for traveling with me in this episode. Make sure you tune in again as we'll continue to provide more good, sound, biblical teaching on this great podcast. Until then, be blessed in Jesus' name.